This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Well, new research now on the prevalence of bullying and tips not just to help parents prevent it, but to cope with it themselves. Our guest is Dr. Kara Swit from the University of Canterbury School of Health Sciences. Kara is one of a few researchers in New Zealand focusing on how we can react if a child is a bully or is being bullied. As part of a new three-year longitudinal study, Dr. Swit has been spending time with parents and teachers looking at how young children's behaviour affects their health and well-being. It's been it sparked some. Uh, it's been sparked by some worrying trends that Dr. Swit has observed in preschool and then later in the classroom. Kara is in the Christchurch studio. Good morning. Kia ora, Catherine. Thanks for having me. You're most welcome. I wonder if we define bullying. It's such a loaded term that tends to make everybody immediately uncomfortable. Mm. How do we define it compared to other behaviours that children might naturally show that aren't particularly welcome that they need help with? That's a really good place to start. So when we talk about bullying, it is the intent to hurt, harm or injure another person. These behaviours are repetitive and ongoing. And there also needs to be some kind of power imbalance. So that could be differences in height or size, gender, uh, race, or even social status and so on. And you make the really good point, Catherine, that these behaviours can be quite different to more normative behaviours, such as aggression in really young children, um, when they're still learning about what's acceptable and unacceptable social behaviours. So we're quite reluctant to use the term bullying when we're referring to really young children's behaviour, just simply because we might not see those three uh, criteria, those three factors in their, their actual behaviour. And even with older children, there will be conflict and emotions will boil over and you will have verbal or physical um, incidents that aren't necessarily in and of themselves bullying. They need attention, mm. but they're not the, quite the same thing as what we call bullying. That's right. So when we're talking about bullying, it's one of the really key points is that it's not just a one-off behaviour. There is, it is a behaviour that we're seeing a child use uh, multiple times and they generally have a target in mind. So it's one child or a group of children who would be targeted by a bully. Do we, um, know, do we know why children do this? We can talk about adults mm. for a whole different session. But do we know what drives it? Yeah, so there's there's... We've got quite a bit of research, and this is a really complex topic. Um, there's not one thing that contributes to why young children um, and even older children engage in aggression and bullying, but there's multiple factors. Um, so we know that children learn uh, behave, these types of behaviours through adults. Um, so we are role models of these types of behaviours. They might also be observing things that uh, their siblings do or you know, other members of the whanau. We can also see these children picking up these behaviours from their peers and within the school ground, uh, within community and also on media. Um, one of the really important things that we, we talk to parents about is, uh, you noted earlier that we have lots of different types of bullying and aggression. So we've got the obvious behaviours of physical, so that's your hitting and kicking. We've got relational and verbal behaviours, which is uh, your name calling, your manipulation, your rumour spreading. 
and social exclusion. And then more recently, we have those behaviours being delivered through technology and what we would refer to as cyberbullying. Um, what we do know from uh, the very early research that I've done with teachers and parents is that adults generally perceive those relational and verbal forms of aggression and bullying less serious and they're less likely to intervene. So what we're trying to um, help adults with is the recognition that if you don't think a behaviour is serious and you're less likely to intervene, that might actually be communicating to kids that that behaviour is more acceptable. Um, whereas if a child uses a, f a physical bullying or f a physical aggression, adults are, are generally really immediate in intervening and stopping those behaviours. All right. What are some of the patterns that you have uh, observed in your research so far? You've probably touched on some of them already, but, but mm. what else have you learned? Um, so one of the things that we're seeing is that parents are really struggling with children's aggression and bullying behaviours, not necessarily not knowing what to do, or even still just um, uh, not knowing... Uh, how to speak to their child or when to intervene, um, understanding how serious it is. Um, so talking to talking to their children about uh, their social relationships and what's going on um, and also modelling what respectful, healthy relationships look like. Um, so encouraging parents also to, uh, to use some self-compassion. Don't be too hard on themselves because parenting is really hard and bullying doesn't discriminate. Uh, so it's not necessarily, if your child is bullying, it's not necessarily a reflection of parenting. There's many other ways that children learn these behaviours. It is very interesting that you look into teachers' and parents' perceptions as part of this work. Um, the effect on them is is what? I think you've hinted at some of it already. You tend to feel guilty or feel like it's something you've mm -hmm. done. I'm wondering often, is denial sometimes the first resort as well for just that reason that we said, that, that there's a shame attached to the, to the, to the bullying behaviour? And is your first instinct to say, no, it's not my child, you know, it's something to do with the teacher or it's something to do with that kid? Is, is that often a first initial sort of defence mechanism? Yes, that's what we do see uh, quite a bit. When you know, especially when we first start asking those questions of parents, because they do feel that there is this stigma and shame associated with having a child who is a bully, but also a child who's a victim of being bullied. Um, so we're, what we're trying to do is really highlight that this is actually a really common experience for many parents and that they're not alone, um, to try and normalise it and have, have some of these conversations so parents can feel comfortable speaking up and seeking help if they need it for their own mental health and wellbeing as well. What have teachers themselves, how do they tend to react? What do they tell you? Yeah, so that's a really interesting question because with teachers, they don't have just one child that they're working with. They have multiple uh, students or children. Um, and so the types of behaviours that they see will be quite different to what parents see because they have children have more opportunities to engage in aggression and bullying in uh, school environments. So teachers tend to find, uh, well, tend to describe that they find it a lot harder to intervene um, in these behaviours simply because of the time pressures and and often sometimes not even seeing the behaviour occurring. Um, so it becomes a, a conversation that we 
need to be having at, at a whole classroom level making sure that we set the expectations of what respectful and positive behaviours are. So that way um, we can have what we call upstanders rather than bystanders. And so they are children who might see bullying uh, going on in the school grounds who can then go uh, go speak to a an adult and seek support uh, in, in those situations. Are we seeing the use of more programs that do just this, that, that, that proactively educate children on the behaviour and encourage them or give them some skills for either speaking up selves or for reporting? Yeah, we are seeing more programs, but I think we can definitely do better. Uh, there's always lots of opportunities to make sure that we're promoting the pro-social uh, skills that, that children are doing using. But one thing that I want to emphasise is that although we're really reluctant to uh, talk about bullying in the early childhood space, we recognise that uh, that children who engage in quite high levels of aggression in early childhood are more likely to become bullies as they get older and then into adulthood. So we really need to be supporting our early childhood centres and, and teachers in uh, having the time and the resources to be able to teach those positive skills and to prevent bullying from um, occurring as children get older. What are some of the telltale signs that a child is engaging in bullying behaviour, different from, as we said, just situation-specific reactions? What do you look for? So there's a number of things adults can look for. Um, It can be a change in behaviour and attitude. Uh, For children who are being bullied as well, there's some, quite often we'll see these children retreating and uh, not wanting to go to school or not wanting to, uh, you know, participate in the the social events with their peers. Um, They might also complain of feeling sick, headaches, and then you've got uh, more physical signs of Um, children coming home with bruises, cuts and abrasions. They might have uh, belongings missing for unexpected reasons. So there are a number of things that adults can look for uh, that might indicate either a child um, is being bullied or that there's something not quite right in their social relationships. What are some of the early intervention strategies then that parents and teachers can adopt? So that's the million dollar question, like which, what are the most effective? One thing that I uh, always encourage teachers and parents to do first is really think about how you can build those strong relationships with children. And that often goes through having those conversations and so just being curious um, about what's going on in their social relationships, what's going on at school as well. And when things aren't sitting right with you or you think things aren't going well for the child, show that you care and that you're interested. Um, They might be reluctant to... Um, uh, disclose anything initially but with persistence and and showing that you care uh, children do will come around uh, because they need to know that there's a supportive adult that they can rely on who can help fix the problem Um, uh, so so yeah absolutely build those relationships talk to children and then I think it's really important that once uh, 
particularly for parents, once a child has disclosed any information, we take it that step further and do something about it. Um, so that is going to the school, having conversations with the teachers um, and the school to find out what's going on from their perspective and what are some of the ways uh, we can move forward positively for those children. Are there strategies, because there's ages and stages as well, and Mm. you've mentioned the very early childhood where you wouldn't normally call things bullying, but you can start to see some behaviour traits that you might want to watch out for. Uh, How how do the behaviours sort of evolve from early childhood, or sorry, early schooling years to, to older? Yeah, so what we generally see is, as I said, so those really young children who are quite dominant uh, and engaging in aggressive behaviours that aren't dealt with really early on are more likely to uh, keep using those behaviours. Remember that every behaviour serves some kind of purpose. Um, so if, if children are using aggression and getting what they want, then that behaviour is being reinforced and it's more likely they're going to keep using that behaviour. And that's why early intervention is so important. Um, but as children get older, we see them using more subtle uh, subtle and very sophisticated behaviours. So um, in early childhood lots of the behaviours are still quite direct and observable, but as children get older and they develop language, uh, their behaviours become a lot more sophisticated and uh, less obvious. So uh, things like manipulation and the silent treatment, rolling of the eyes. Um, Children might also, as they get older, because they know the difference between acceptable and unacceptable behaviour and that some bullying behaviours might um, get them in trouble, they also move their behaviour to hidden spaces. Um, So, for instance, the toilets, um, in the hallways where there's no teachers, and then uh, also online. Um, So as children uh, do get older, they just find different ways to deliver the behaviours and achieve their goal that are away from the attention of adults. How does victim blaming or the victim blaming themselves complicate the problem? Yes, yeah, so that's a really important point because I think that's often what we see in terms of children not seeking the support of an adult. Uh, victims will generally internalise the, the bullying that they're receiving and saying, hey, this is my fault, people don't like me, I'm not good enough. Um, and there's stigma associated with that for those children and so they don't want to speak up and seek help because they don't want the adults to think the same about them. Um, so that's why I think building those really strong relationships and letting children know about their strengths um, and really highlighting what they're capable of doing and reassuring them that um, you're there to support them if they need it. The complexity also, the case that bullies can often be victims themselves. How does this yeah. continuum work? Yeah, so we so this is called the bully victim continuum and this is where we recognize that at any given time a victim can become a bully and a bully can become a victim. So for instance, if if um a if a child is victimized by a bully, they might retaliate as a result of receiving that bullying and uh, then become the bully themselves. So it's really important um that we remember that 
bullying doesn't is it's such a complex uh, social problem uh, and it doesn't discriminate so just because a child has been a bully in the past when they come to you and seek support because perhaps maybe they've um, become a victim don't disregard that because that's entirely um, well that's actually we know from the literature the research that that's actually quite common uh, in in children's experiences. Obviously the interaction between parents and teachers is going to be, and the child, the children involved, is going to be an important part of resolving this. And do you think Mm. by and large many schools and and their their families are doing this very well? Is it often the case as we see that there's denial at one end or perhaps a teacher's feeling overwhelmed or not even sure exactly what's going on? I mean how well are we doing this? Yeah, it's a really hard one because we're all so busy, right? Um, and when we're when we're dropping our children off to school, we don't always have the time to connect with the teachers and have some of these conversations. Um, and I think there's also a little bit of a lack of clarity around whose role is what you know what is the role of a teacher in a bullying situation that might be happening out in the neighborhood versus what is the parents role of a bullying situation in the school do they get involved so I think there's more gray area in that space particularly for parents around when do I intervene when do I go and and speak to the teacher about my concerns Um, so I think you know from a teacher's perspective always having that open door policy and really encouraging uh, parents to come in and and have a chat Um, but also if teachers are concerned about changes in child behavior um, always seek you know the perspective of the parent speak to the parent has there are there things that are going on at home um, within the whānau that might actually explain some of the, these behaviours yeah. that the child's showing. As you said, if you take the blame game out of it, if you tell, if you you know, make it clear how common this is and, and yeah. uh, that it's not, no one's making assumptions about why something's happening and try and, and put that sort of defensive guard at ease. Thanks very much. Kara Swit, who is uh, researching this issue. She's at the University of Canterbury's School of Health Sciences. It's part of a three-year longitudinal study.